Hello, and welcome to the Mass Bar Beat, the podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. I'm Mike Vigneault. During the NBA's annual dinner, the NBA will present its 2017 Access to Justice Awards to seven attorneys and one law firm, recognizing their exemplary legal skills and service to the community. As part of our series highlighting the 2017 Access to Justice Award winners, on this episode, we're featuring Andrew Troop of Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman and Christopher Myrick of Harvest Power Incorporated, co-recipients of the Pro Bono Publico Award. While colleagues at Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman, attorneys Andrew Troop and Christopher Myrick worked together with Greater Boston Legal Services to achieve successful outcomes in two notable pro bono cases. We spoke with Troop about a groundbreaking victory the duo enjoyed in U.S. Bankruptcy Court, which helped facilitate a Chapter 11 sale of two Boston apartment buildings to a nonprofit that dedicated the properties to affordable housing for the next 50 years. That victory ensured adequate living conditions for many low-income and disabled residents. I won't say often the case, but sometimes sometimes the case. Um, a matter comes to you when you least expect it, uh, when you're off doing something else. Uh, and, and I happen to be off at another client's uh, sponsored charitable event and got a call uh, from GBLS because they had just learned that, uh, uh, this, that, a, that, a, that a landlord, uh, Mr. Lawrence, uh, who had been described by the Boston Globe as uh, the, uh, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but one of the worst landlords in Boston, um, had been in Chapter 11 for almost two years, and no one knew about it, and he was trying to confirm a plan of reorganization that was going to leave leave housing, particularly affordable housing, uh, in his hands. Uh, and the question became, what could GBLS do for its clients, a number of tenants in two of his buildings, to assure that that property would remain affordable housing, one, but also be fixed? Um, the conditions there were simply deplorable. Uh, uh, infestation, broken pipes, heat that didn't work, um, uh, not up to code. And we started to craft a strategy um, around this Chapter 11 case. And the first thing that um, uh, we did is that we uh, had got a Chapter 11 trustee appointed so that the debtor, Mr. Lawrence, wasn't in control of his own property. Uh, the second thing that we did is we started to figure out who in town um, might be willing to acquire uh, this property and keep it as affordable housing. Uh, that, uh, you know, just as a quick aside, uh, uh, requires that I call out a couple of other law firms and lawyers in town, all of whom stepped up uh, in one way or another to provide assistance to people in this process. Um, Jones Day, uh, John Hannafy and his team represented some tenants and, and worked with us. Uh, Jim Wallach and, and Doug Rosner 
worked with us uh, in the and represented the the buyer uh, at Codman Square uh, on a pro bono basis, and and together with the city of Boston, we crafted a strategy where um, Codman would be able to participate in the bankruptcy auction for these processes. So bankruptcy has at it, it, its core arguably this concept of having to maximize value for distributions to creditors. And the, the challenge here was that Codman, as a nonprofit, had access to funds, but not to unlimited funds. These apartment complexes are in neighborhoods where um, property values are likely to go up and over time, and uh, uh, there will be a demand for non-affordable housing. So there's a profit motive for people to try to acquire these buildings and dispossess uh, subsidized tenants. Um, and uh, we needed to come up with a, a, a way to make Codman a uh, – to give Codman ammunition to be able to bid competitively. And what we uh, came upon was that our clients, uh, together with the Boston Public Health Commission, uh, uh, who who also rented apartments uh, from uh, this tenant uh, for their uh, challenged clients, um, we figured out that we had substantial claims that might be entitled to what's called administrative expense. Uh, in this bankruptcy case, and, and administrative expense means that they are of a top priority that need to be paid dollar for dollar. So giving up those claims provides real value to an estate to maximize the distribution to other creditors. So we we engaged on a, a strategy to use those claims um, as currency in the bankruptcy to have the sale go to a not-for-profit buyer who would maintain the homes as affordable housing. Ultimately, uh, Codman was determined to be the winning bidder, even though its cash bid was less than uh, uh, the bid of uh, uh, the the next buyer uh, by at least 500, maybe even closer to uh, 600 or $700,000 in cash. Uh, because the bankruptcy judge concluded that our clients' claims and the Boston Public Health Commission claims were worth at least $750,000. We put in evidence of them being worth $3.5 million. Um, and uh, there, too, I need to call out all the other people who donated their time to make this work. Um, we had uh, a sanitation expert who provided a report. We had a retired Superior Court Judge, Judge King, who uh, gave his time, even a housing court judge, uh, to opine on the housing court violations. We had a, a lawyer from, I want to say, Liam Boyle, who uh, gave his time and testified with regard to emotional distress. And and all of that combined to, to, to convince the, the trustee to take our bid, the bankruptcy judge to uh, 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 Keep that bid, and and here's the the thing. And Codman to agree to dedicate this land to affordable housing um, for at least 50 years. Codman's got a big job getting these 
properties up to up to code. Um, our clients continue to have a place to live. Uh, it'll be affordable, um, and and that's just so important in the city of Boston, where housing is at a premium, particularly uh, uh, by which I mean it's scarce, particularly for uh, uh, low income. Uh, uh, or, or challenged families who need assistance. That was just, uh, it, was, it was a great result. People kept their homes and were going to be able to keep them on an affordable basis. Myrick describes a memorable scene that unfolded in the courtroom during one of the hearings in the case. There were 60 or 64 uh, units and about 30 of those uh, people became our clients for the, for the pro bono case. One of the hearings, um, all, the, all of our clients showed up wearing protest T-shirts, like brightly colored T-shirts that said, we will not be moved. <laughs> and they're all sitting there in court. And I made this argument, I was arguing to the judge about how um, he should weigh you know, the protection of the tenants over the bid from the, land, from the uh, developer. And I said, I still remember this. I said, Your Honor, some things are just more important than money. And a cheer went up from the back of the courtroom as all my clients started clapping and, and, and cheering. I was like, oh, I've never had that happen before. And the judge was very tolerant of it, but it was actually kind of a, a neat experience. Coop and Myrick also worked on behalf of 15 Chinese immigrant workers who were unfairly deprived of wages by a Boston daycare facility that attempted to discharge its financial obligations through a bankruptcy filing. Coop describes what it was like working on that case. So th- this, is, this is another case where we uh, got involved with Greater Boston Legal Services, where it was really just, heart, frankly, heartbreaking. These, these 15 people um, happened to all be women working in this daycare center. Um, uh, for a variety of reasons, worked even though they weren't getting paid or their pay was being substantially delayed. And uh, uh, their employer, as well as the owner of their employer, ended up in bankruptcy. And we started to do some digging, and it appeared to us that the owner had caused assets to be diverted from the daycare case to her personal benefit and that she didn't report assets that she received. It also became clear to us that she induced these women to continue to work with the promise that they would be paid soon, when at the same time she was diverting funds to herself, her family members, and for her other businesses. And had she not done that, um, uh, we we believed, and ultimately the bankruptcy judge found, uh, that there would have been sufficient funds to pay these people their wages. Chris Myrick and Dini Yavich actually tried this case for, for five days um, in front of Judge Boroff, uh, at the end of which he issued a decision where he denied the debtor her discharge 
um, finding that our client's testimony as to what had happened, that um, the promises that had been made, uh, the fact that, that again, this this is this is not dissimilar to Lawrence in the in the way that this debtor failed to inform her employees that her business or she had entered in, had filed for bankruptcy. Um, and and that is, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's potentially very prejudicial to um, the employees or the in, in Lauren's case to the tenants because things happen in those cases that can affect their rights. Um, uh, we um, uh, uh, we prevailed. Um, people are trying to collect on that judgment now. Uh, but it was um, uh, it, 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 this, frankly, was is typical of of my experience with with pro bono cases in which I've I've been involved, and which I think is just so important all around. You know, these pro bono clients have real problems and and real concerns that need to be addressed. And having a successful outcome for them is extremely gratifying. But what's equally or maybe even more gratifying is that um, in the in the Lawrence case, these these tenants of of all backgrounds who needed a voice in the um, uh, daycare case where all the the, the the clients were Chinese immigrants. Or even years and years ago, when I, I did a voting rights case, um, also with Chris, uh, for uh, uh, together with GBL, GBLS um, uh, here in, in Boston, um, uh, each of these clients have just an absolute appreciation for the fact that our judicial system gives them a voice and. Pro bono gives them a way to use it. Um, uh, in each case, they were they the client said to us, and and, and it was sincere. Um, e- even if the results came out the other way, they weren't they couldn't complain because. Being here gives them a voice from where that's so different from where they came from um, that a judge would listen to their stories um, that a judge might craft relief that would uh, help them you know that's that's just that's that's terrific and uh, uh, very satisfying. Myrick sees this case as an important vindication of the purpose of bankruptcy. All 15 of our of our plaintiffs testified, uh, all through an interpreter. Um, we had the defendant president on the stand for two days, and at the end of it, uh, Judge Bora found her to be completely uh, uncredible or incredible, non-believable and denied her her bankruptcy discharge, uh, meaning that you know, we, our guys, our plaintiffs could continue to pursue her to collect their wages and now trebled and now with attorney's fees added on. 
Um, and for me, this is just a, an incredible vindication, or let me put it differently. For me, this is an important vindication of the purpose of bankruptcy. This bankruptcy is about affording the honest but unfortunate debtor a fresh start. And the, the focus has got to be on honest. I mean, people make mistakes, people fall on hard times, but if you steal money from the company, if you steal money from your employees, if you don't make full disclosure to the bankruptcy court, if you lie on the stand and you lie in your affidavits, you don't deserve a discharge. And that was an important vindication of, of this principle of the bankruptcy code. Stoop acknowledges that it's a privilege to be a lawyer, and with that privilege comes a responsibility to give back through pro bono work. In each of these matters, there were other lawyers at Greater Boston Legal Services in connection with you know, the, the case involving the Chinese immigrants, and, and also other private practice lawyers who were involved in the case who helped in one way or another. Uh, well, in Greater Boston Legal Services tried the case with us. Cindy Marks, who's now uh, at the Attorney General's office, uh, tried the case. And she was, it, it was just a, a tremendous collaboration. Similarly, as I mentioned, we were talking about Lawrence, all the law firms and professionals who uh, donated their time, who worked collaboratively uh, <clears throat> towards uh, a successful outcome in that case. Um, that that too is extremely satisfying to see that that pro bono is something pro bono a commitment to to people who need access to the legal system and can't afford it yet combine to uh, uh, achieve a, a result um, says something about the the the, the importance not only the importance, but the satisfaction that as lawyers, so many of us receive from pro bono. Um, and uh, if you you know go back and search your files, you'll find out that years ago, maybe 2003, 2004, <clears throat> um, I think that uh, I accepted a similar award from the Mass Bar Association for the law firm I was with then, Walgotshall, as the pro bono law firm that year. And what I said then, I, I mean now and today, it continues to be true today, and that is that we're really lucky to be lawyers. It, it's a privilege to do this. It's not a right. And what goes along with that is an obligation to to give a little bit more than the billable hour um, back. Um, and it's, uh, uh, I think it's extremely important for law firms to expect that of their lawyers and for lawyers to do it. Not, not only because it's necessary, but because it's really, it, it's, it's a responsibility and like so many things that are a responsibility, when you do it and you do it well, it's satisfying. Myrick agrees that pro bono work is not only important, 
but necessary in order to provide free legal services to those who cannot afford it. The reality, the sad reality, is that the, the legal system is really complex, you know, sometimes needlessly so. And parties get better outcomes from the legal system if they have specialized, trained assistance to help navigate it. Not everyone can afford to pay for that assistance, and that's really where the pro bono work comes in. Uh, as lawyers, we have a monopoly on providing legal advice. No one else can do it. That monopoly gives us incredible power, but in my view, it comes with an obligation to give back and to give access to that power and to that system to people who can't afford it. Um, you know, I've, I've always had a pro bono case going on since I was a first-year associate, um, something that I learned from Andrew Troop and from Mark Berman, who was the uh, senior lawyer I started work with in uh, 1998 at Hutchins Wheeler and Ditmar. Mark and Andrew uh, set a, a great example of always giving back. And I think that it's important for all lawyers, not just people who can go to court, but you know, lawyers from all disciplines to recognize that we have, as I said, we have a monopoly on power to access the legal system and that you know, society will be a better place if people who need help can get it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Mass Bar Beat, and we invite you to listen to the other episodes in our Access to Justice Award series to hear more inspiring stories from the 2017 honorees. On behalf of the Massachusetts Bar Association, I'm Mike Vigneault. Thank you for listening. Thank you.